Welcome to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Now put aside everything you think you know about business practices today and stay right here for the next hour as you're sure to find some surprises and wisdom to help you play the business game right. Now, here is your host, Peter Feinstein. Welcome back to another episode of Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Business Rules takes on the rules of business, as if you wouldn't know, because you've heard me say it a hundred times before. Okay, so that's an exaggeration, but probably 40 times. And we do it with guests from all walks of life, all walks of business, people who not only talk the talk, but they walk the walk. They live it. They breathe it. Um, I have no posers on my show. Never have. Never will. These are people who are the real deal because they're in the trenches. They're doing the work. And um, and they've got amazing connections and amazing points of view on life that um, help bring a unique perspective to whatever it is we're going to talk about. This week's show, um, I, I titled uh, The Laws of Liquor you might be surprised. Listen and laugh. And, uh, and you know, so um, in, in knowing my guest, Jill Valkovic, um, and I'll, I'll tell you a little bit more about Jill as we go through this introduction, um, uh, but it's something where, you know, I was thinking to myself, it's like, okay, so I know Jill belongs to this association. It's called the NALCP. And I'm sure that that I mean, it rolls right off of my tongue for reasons we'll we'll find out about here pretty soon. Um, but I'll bet you've never heard of it. Um, at the same time, though, uh, the work that this nonprofit association does touches touches hundreds of millions of men, women and even children. NALCP stands for the National Association of Licensing and Compliance Professionals. These are folks in the hospitality industries who handle all of the on and off premises retail liquor licensing. Yeah, I just need to get my mouth unstuck this morning. And Jill, if you want to laugh while I say stupid stuff, you know, feel free <laughs> before I actually say, hey, welcome to the show. Um, it's all good. Um, you know, maybe you think uh, that this has got to be the most boring group of people in the universe, and I can tell you, you'd be flat wrong, wildly wrong. Um, I've known many of people in the association for years, and I lovingly refer to them as a drinking group with a licensing compliance problem. Today, we're in for an entertaining treat into a firsthand look at the business and fun sides of the NALCP and how they and how what they do affects you every day. My guest, Jill Valkovic, is one of the association's past presidents, is literally chomping at the bit to help us see the fun behind the business of liquor licensing. So a little bit about Jill. And uh, Jill, whatever pieces of this puzzle that I happen to miss or trample or just like brutally abuse, um, you can feel free to jump in and correct me and, you know, just, you know, slap me as, as you need as you need to. So right now, Jill is the senior paralegal for Dave & Buster's, whom she joined in 2006 after way too many years in the world of litigation. She handles liquor, amusement, and all other operating licenses for Dave & Buster's. She's also involved in subsequent permitting, including special use and law changes to allow for skill-based gaming. Have you been to a Dave & Buster's? I was talking to a friend of mine this morning, and she was like, I love going into Dave & Buster's, and I love playing the games, especially the skill ball. So that's where the games of skill 
come in. Um, you know, in, in, in addition to the licensing, Jill handles marketing approvals, legal research, special event contracts, violations, always the enemy of the liquor licensing compliance folks. Trust me, I've heard it and I've it from uh, firsthand experience and we'll get into that too. Um, and all other random questions you could possibly imagine. She's been an active member of NALCP since its inception in 2006, including its president in 2014 through 2016, and currently sits on its board of directors. Jill was raised in Texarkana and attended the University of Arkansas and um, the University of Arkansas Law School to obtain her degree in paralegal studies. Her years spent in Arkansas and later in Texas no doubt prepared her for a life of alcohol compliance. She currently lives in Dallas with her understanding husband, eight-year-old daughter, and six-year-old twin boys. Jill, welcome to the show. Thank you, Peter. I appreciate you having me. It is such a pleasure to have you. And, um, and so, you know, we can do things on, uh, on this radio that we can't necessarily do on FCC broadcast radio stations. Do you have a glass of wine handy or is it just like not drinking time? I wish it was drinking time. I always <laughs> suggest that I need a bottle of vodka under my desk, but not right now. <laughs> well, that's okay. That's okay. You have done some remarkable stuff in your life. And your bio is really cool for an insight into an element of professional stuff. Um, but I always like to give the people listening an opportunity to get a sense and to get to know my guests um, from an earlier time in their life. And so, um, you know what? Give me a quick story from, uh, from what you were like in high school. Oh, boy. <laughs> Um, you know, in high school, I think I was slightly high strung and very large hair. I was, um, kind of giggle a cheerleader and, uh, I, I guess I would call it a ball of fun and sort of a ball of hate as well, which is most teenagers. So, um, you know, pretty much the same person with bigger hair. <laughs> I don't know. Your Texas hair is pretty big sometimes. It's oh no, you you don't know anything yet. That it's, it was huge. I'm gonna have to. I'm gonna have to look for, for old pictures for you. <laughs> <laughs> big big hair, Jill. I I, I can get a picture. Um, but that's really kind of cool. So I mean, it's it's great to see a continuity from, you know, from high school up till now. So let's jump ahead just a little bit. Actually, let's jump ahead to um, to where you were just before you began working for Dave and Buster's. And this may this may be interesting. It may be something where you're like, yeah, I'm going to pass on that question, Peter. Um, so not to the present, but some years back. If your last boss was standing here, what advice would you give him or her? If my last boss was standing here? Uh-huh. Well, so I worked for a law firm um, from 1999 to 2006, and we did litigation work. And um, Ed Perrin is my former boss. Um, he was he was the name partner of Hallett and Perrin, and he and I had a really fun working relationship. He was slightly forgetful and really fun and was an amazing trial lawyer, and uh, we traveled together quite a bit, spent some time in Greenville, Tennessee, for about seven weeks on a case 
Um, and after that oh, case, I, I told him as much as I love him, I, I thought maybe it was a great time to, to break away from the crazy world of litigation just because spending that much time with one person in one tiny little town was a bit, was a bit too much for me. <laughs> so what advice would you give him? Or was that it? That <laughs> My advice was, yeah, let's not do this anymore. <laughs> right. <laughs> Greenville, Tennessee. It sounds like a really small town. It was a really small town. It was a federal court case um, that was for employee retirement plan litigation stuff, super dry, not in front of a jury, not sexy at all. And, um, uh, you know, a lot of time in a really tiny courtroom talking about things that most people don't understand, including myself. Well, <laughs> I'm so glad you're out of that and so so glad that you're in the entertainment area because Dave and Busters is, um, you know, for for all of the stuff that goes on behind the scenes that is not sexy and glamorous, uh, the front-facing picture of Dave and Busters is always a lot of fun. And, uh, and I got to imagine that some of that bleeds off into the background as well. So I'm glad for your, for your change in that area. Yeah, most people know who Dave and Busters is and most people understand they don't understand how complicated liquor law can be, but they generally understand the concept of liquor. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Two-fisted, single pump, whatever. <laughs> right. So, okay, so your last position was at this law firm. It was like seven years, and it was litigation, and it was dry, and it was stuff that, um, like you said, was you know not sexy, not fun. Uh, sometimes completely misunderstandable and uh, and no and unknowable to many. Um, so that was the last job. Tell us what you do in your current job. My current job is I'm almost like the regulatory person within Dave and Buster's. Uh, so how I got this position was Dave and Buster's was one of Hallett and Perrin's clients, and they were looking for someone to come in-house and clean up their regulatory world, um, clean up their licenses. And so uh, when I started, it was it was more to push the paper around, make sure that all of our licenses were compliant and complete. And um, it morphed into a more complicated position where um, I, I helped determine whether or not we can operate in certain states or certain municipalities or certain locations. Uh, so making sure that alcohol can be served and games can be served all in one building pretty much nationwide. Gotcha. And so, I mean, gosh, during the course of a day, you must have uh, just a, I can't, I can imagine like a cauliflower ear from being on the phone constantly or is it, uh, has it morphed and changed over the years to something that's more electronically oriented? I, I will always say that email is your you know, your greatest tool and your biggest enemy. So, you know, email is, can, when I first started at this company, email was just becoming mainstream um, among state agencies and companies galore. And so it's become the main communication tool. And so in a given day, I may get 65 to 150 actionable emails on any given project. I'm, I'm on the phone quite a bit, but honestly, email is, is my you know, chosen form of communication, mainly because of the record it keeps. And also, it ensures that we don't interrupt someone else's day. You know, they can consider whatever email we're sending on any given project. The problem is, is that it's a, what, a, you know, what did I say? 
60 to 150 actionable emails. And so those are emails that are beyond spam, beyond, you know, being copied. Those are the ones that I actually have to respond to. So um, with it being a super helpful tool, it's also debilitating when you go on vacation or if you're in a meeting for a couple of hours, the number of emails that come in. So, so email is the tool. Talking is the secondary tool, and I'm on both constantly. Yeah, you know what? I, I, I can completely empathize. Um, so I wake up pretty early in the morning because um, in Arizona, um, we, uh, we don't change time. We change time zones. We don't change clocks when daylight savings time comes and goes. And um, so when we're in daylight savings time like we are now, I'm actually part of the Pacific time zone. And so I get up practically about an hour earlier just to deal with exactly what you're talking about is the onslaught of the electronic messaging. Um, it can be text messages and or emails. Um, and uh, I think that um, that we we live um, we live kind of similar experiences where I will have uh, a very similar number of actionable emails. And um, you know what drives me nuts is not the actionable emails. Um, I don't know if it's the same for you. It's the stuff that filters in in between that I actually have to give a couple of seconds or even, you know, like five or 10 seconds worth of time to that eat up. I don't know. It must eat up a half an hour of my day when you take a look at the, you know, the amount of crap that comes across the line. It's just so frustrating. I agree. And actually what takes up more of my time are the things that I've been copied on. So you have a string of email with a string of people and those people are constantly copying me, even though I'm not part of the conversation. And so uh, those I have to take a look at and then put into a folder to consider later at a later time. I don't get a tremendous amount of spam. We've got, you know, at a company this size, we're public. Um, and so we've, we've got some pretty robust systems in place to try to get rid of some of the spam. But a lot, you know, I subscribe to newsletters. Um, I get information from outside counsel. A lot of times it kind of fill up the, the folder. And so I, I will throw them into a reading folder. And those I don't mind. It really is the emails that are like what you said. I have to at least touch and consider and file away that take up so much time. Yeah. And you know what, from a regulatory standpoint, I mean, my, my, my world is advertising and I've often said that, you know, like, thank God it's advertising and not brain surgery. Cause if it were brain surgery, at least one of us would be dead. But, <laughs> but on your side of it, I mean, you've got compliance and, uh, and all kinds of, um, of really very important issues that you're addressing and dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis for a publicly traded company. Um, I mean, we're, you know, we're talking significant consequences along the way. It, it can be. I would say that regulatory compliance is gray, just like anything else. I mean, you, you assume that everything, you know, that's straightforward, that it's black and white, but every issue has its, you know, either a bit of hair or a bit of no hair. Um, every <laughs> issue has to be considered, um, you know, and it could be stuff that's that's impactful to the business, or it could be just an easy question, you know, and the, and the problem is, and the reason why a lot of companies have folks like me in position um, to help answer some of these questions are every state is different. And in some states, every municipality is different. 
And so, okay, so with the so, right, go ahead. Yep, yes. So what we're going to do is we're actually going to talk about that, oh. right? Oh. Because I mean, that's that's literally. I mean, it's like okay, so you're stealing my thunder by taking my. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm kidding, but in truth, I do want to take a break here because I do want uh, people listening to grab a cup of coffee, maybe stand up from their chairs, uh, do whatever whatever they want to do to take a little bit of a break, and know that we'll be back in two minutes. And when we come back, Jill is, in fact, going to tell us the why behind the job. So we know the job is there. It's the why. And she gave she gave a little bit of the tip of the iceberg. But stick around, because in two minutes, we're going to hear more. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com What if you could save 55% or more on your TV advertising? We're Higher Power Marketing, and we can probably save you at least 55% on your TV ad buys. Don't believe me? That's okay. Just go to HPowerMarketing.com and see and hear real success stories from real clients. Then ask us to show you how we can save you money, too. Go to HPowerMarketing.com. That's HPowerMarketing.com. Exceptional media for less. That's HPowerMarketing.com. If you think half of your company's advertising is working, but you're not sure which half, we can help. We're Higher Power Marketing, and we help our clients identify which advertising works and which is wasting their money. And then we fix what's broken so they can get more bang from their advertising buck. If you're not sure which half of your advertising is working, call Higher Power Marketing for help at 800-300-9124. That's 800-300-9124. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. The Voice America Live Events Channel is here now to showcase your corporate, individual, or organization's live event. Visit voiceamerica.com forward slash live events to see all of our past live events and find out more. Whether it's a multi-day conference, special speaker, or single-day event, we've got everything to make your event a success. We can do a few hours or a few days. For more information about taking your event to the next level, call Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or email info at voiceamerica.com. Again, that's Jeff Spinard at 480-294-6417 or send us an email to info at voiceamerica.com. Voice America is where you are and where you want to be. Join us around the globe as we broadcast live from some of the most interesting events available. Don't forget to view all our live events, including on-demand access to past events that you may have missed by visiting voiceamerica.com forward slash live events. Find out what makes the most successful people tick. Keep listening to the Voice America Empowerment Channel. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. You're tuned in to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Reach out to us with questions and comments at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or connect with Peter via email. The address is businessrules at hpowermarketing.com. 
Now, back to the show. And we're back to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. My guest this week, Jill Valkovic from Dave and Busters. And uh, before the break, Jill had given us a pretty, pretty good uh, scope of what she does. And, uh, and I, I interjected a lot of my stuff as far as, you know, emails. Um, but then we circled back and we really focused on Jill's element of compliance. And that's when we began talking, you know, just on the, on the, the tip of the iceberg of why Jill's position is a position. So, I mean, Jill, you know, you had, you had just begun to talk about the fact of, um, you know, that there are, gosh, I can't even imagine how many different localities, counties, I know how many states there are, um, but rules and regulations. So give us some insight as to why you do um, what you do. Uh, Well, in Back in the Prohibition days in the 1920s and 30s, uh, when they outlawed alcohol, when they brought it back and allowed, um, when they repealed in 1933, uh, there were rules and regulations that were put in place. And it and it started much like what's happening in the world of marijuana now is it's state by state. So state by state, they would bring, they brought back the repeal. And as they did, those states were able to draft their own rules and regulations and no state is similar to another state. Um, and, and some of those states gave their municipalities, their counties and cities, they gave them the power to make decisions for their individual areas. And again, no state is the same. And so, for example, Texas, um, the state alcoholic beverage control, that the alcoholic beverage commission is the agency that's over every single, you know, licensee in the state of Texas. But in a state like Massachusetts, the state um, the state is over the ultimate decision making, but the cities and counties have to report back to the state, and they're the ones that weigh in and actually have an impact on a license. So every location that we have can have multiple layers of regulatory agencies, that, and that's just liquor. Um, you know, Dave and Buster's <laughs> yeah. is a restaurant, and we also have games. So there's there's a level of complexity with that as well. Yeah, I know that um, from a uh, from a restaurant only perspective, how complicated. Uh, liquor licensing and compliances. Um, my wife uh, used to work for a uh, an international restaurant company, and uh, she did um, just kind of a tip of the hand. She, she did for them um, some of what you do for and with Dave and Buster's, and um, I can remember the stories. And what I remember most of all. Um, which gives you know absolute absolute credence to what you're saying is there were states that had well they had their own set of rules just like you said and then you know and but they deferred to the counties and oftentimes the counties then deferred to the localities and there were a couple of places where I, I remember her throwing up her hands and saying you know it's like a catch twenty two. You know, the state wants me to do this and provide them with that, but I can't do that until I get to the local. But the county has something that I need to do beforehand. And I don't think anybody outside of the industry has even an inkling of what it takes to literally open the doors to a Dave and Buster's in that regard. How complicated and how much time is spent on the front end so that the doors can open, actually stay open on a day to day basis. Absolutely. And, and with every restaurant or um, package store even, you, ha- you usually have to go through some sort of approvals or zoning. 
And so there's another layer of those approvals where you have the building department looking at what you're trying to do. Um, but then you throw in a restaurant plus alcohol plus some games and it gets, it can get super complicated and confusing and, and difficult for us to maneuver. So you probably have a million war stories, and I don't want you to go into um, extraordinary detail of really any of them. But if you've got, you know, a quick, um, a quick story of the best experience you've had, which would be the simplest, I'm hoping that the simplest experience in terms of a licensing or a compliance experience. situation that, you know, you went in, you weren't sure what to expect and boom, it just, it worked. Do you have one of those? I do. Um, yeah. One that I'm most proud of actually is out of Anchorage, Alaska. Uh, we started looking at a location in that municipality, gosh, five years ago. And, uh, you know, we did our initial due diligence, found um, an AG opinion that, didn't necessarily allow for our operations of our games in the state. And so we, uh, we worked with the state legislature, was effective in getting that law changed and clarified to allow our games um, and our restaurant there. And we just opened last month. Um, and it, it was extremely successful. The locals there were super appreciative, you know, didn't understand that their laws actually prohibited us. We identified it. We worked with them directly. Uh, they were, they were, they welcomed us with open arms and we were able to get that fixed and allow us to operate and open up. But it took a, it took a while. It took about four years total. Wow. That's an amazing story because the process and the persistence that you guys had to go through, that's astonishing. Well, and it's, it just goes to show that there's things on the books in various municipalities, and even and this was at the state level. Um, so, it, you know, there were things on the books that they don't even realize, outlaw concepts like ours. They weren't considered at the time that we, um, you know, they weren't considered at the time they were written. And so we have to go in and explain to them why it's an issue and what we need to do to fix it. And they were... Um, they were so accepting. They were they were so helpful, and they listened to everything that we asked for. And now we're successfully operating in the state of Alaska. That's huge. That has got to be such a great feeling for you, knowing that all the work that you put in resulted in uh, in receiving so much positive positive feedback and um, and welcoming. And the real it sounds like there was a situation there where I mean there was real interest in understanding your perspective on it and and helping them see that laws that they had had on their books for who knows how long um, were actually detrimental to their business environment, at least on some level. Absolutely. Yes. That's, that's, that's great. That is, I mean, that's, that is a huge story. That's better than any, any nightmare story we could ever cook up. And, and I'm sure that there are thousands of those. Um, I think about Dave and Buster's and I think to myself, okay, so it's a restaurant. Um, the one in our neighborhood, yep. Our neighborhood, pretty close by has a bowling alley and that's a, that's big fun. And then there's this humongous gaming area and it's games of skill. Um, there's air hockey and anybody who plays air hockey with me will tell you that, um, I have no skill, (laughs) (laughs) but there's also ski ball and anybody who played ski ball with me would say, wow, he's not bad at throwing a ball up a little ramp. (laughs) 
and and uh, and I think there isn't anything else like that that I'm aware of in Phoenix. And yet you're part of, uh, you know, part of this group um, that gets involved with, um, you know, the association, the NALCP. Um, what other types of companies have people in their organizations that do what you do for their companies? So it's mostly every it, it, anyone that has a liquor license can be part of the association. So you can have anyone from a small mom pop shop to really who our main membership is, which is multi-unit chain, either restaurant or off-premise stores. When I say off-premise stores, I mean folks like Walmart, Specs, Costco. Um, you have other folks like myself that's more on-premise where you come on to the location and consume alcohol. Folks like Darden, um, which owns Olive Garden and Yard House, P.F. Chang's, Chipotle. Right. We yep. also have what's interesting um, in the last few years, Starbucks has joined us um, in anticipation of at least opening a couple of locations with alcohol. So uh, we, we get all kinds. Wow. That's, that's wild. Um, airlines, hotels? Yes, airlines, hotels. That's... I'm looking at other gas stations, you know, <laughs> can be CVS and Walgreens, you know, we, we have them all. That's amazing. And it's something where, I mean, I don't think anybody would give a second thought to walking into a Walgreens and going into the, you know, the, the you know, any of the refrigerators and pulling out a six pack or a, or a case or whatever, and thinking about the process that has to go, it has to be involved in, in making that doable and possible yet. It's, it's all there. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's difficult and it's certainly something that people don't realize exists. Yeah, it's, um, you know what, this will be a great eye opener for, for I think a great many people, which is really cool because it'll actually give something, something different for people to talk about. Uh, you know, when they talk about friends are like, yeah, I was listening to the show and there's this lady on there from Dave and Buster's and she's responsible for making sure that they're open and they can serve alcohol, which I love and play games, which I really love. Right. <laughs> it's like they would never know it. I mean, seriously, they would, they would never know it. Otherwise who would give a second thought to it yet? It's a completely legitimate and absolutely crit mission critical type of function in your organization. Absolutely. So before Dave and Buster's, you were a paralegal in a litigation firm. And then you become this, oh my gosh, catch all of amazing licensing compliance and business stuff within Dave and Buster's. Walk us through the path that you took to go from litigation to Dave and Buster's. I was looking for a more stable schedule. Typically in litigation, it's sort of feast or famine where, you know, you come into the office and, you know, you do your daily job. And then when litigation time comes or you have a court case, it's it's all hands on deck for weeks and weeks. And that, that lifestyle is great when you're single, but I've just recently uh, been married. So... I discussed with our corporate side, there were two separate sides to this law firm. There was a litigation side and a corporate side. I talked to the corporate side about possibly going in-house with any of their clients, um, you know, just looking for almost a litigation um, a management 
position where I would go into a company and basically help manage their litigation. Uh-huh. And there were no current positions open for uh, you know for our clients in it, but the position at Dave and Buster's became available. And our corporate counsel knew the general counsel at Dave and Buster's at the time. He had only been here a few months, um, and he suggested that I talk to him. And that conversation went a whole lot like, I don't know what you're going to be doing at Dave and Buster's, but I promise you, you'll have fun every day. <laughs> and I said, sign me up. And yeah. so I'm still not sure what that job description looks like, but but I I joined, and it's been fun ever since. You know, I think the job description probably says turn the lights on and hold on because it's right. going to be a wild ride. <laughs> That's right. I, I don't um, think either one of us understood how complicated it was going to get, but, um, but, but I've enjoyed it. He's still our general counsel. We've worked together for 12 years. Wow. That is so cool. Mm-hmm. And you know, what's uh, what I really love about it is um, you hear, you hear stories about people burning bridges or bridges being burned for whatever reason. And your transition was, you know, was really just beautifully orchestrated from within your previous employer, which I think is, you know, is just a testament to, um, you know, to, to your integrity and to your work ethic and to the professionalism that you obviously brought to uh, to the paralegal work that you were doing on the litigation side and made it very easy for you to be trusted internally. And Dave and Buster's, especially when the guy says, I don't know what you're going to be doing, but you're going to have fun. I mean, that's that's a huge compliment to you. And I think uh, I think, you know, completely and utterly well deserved. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, you're very welcome. Um, So we've got uh, we've got less than two minutes until we roll into our next break. And, um, and I, I like at some point during every show to, uh, to give my guests an opportunity to uh, share with the people listening, um, you know, how they can either find out more about them or in your case, um, uh, if, if you prefer to have, you know, less, um, you know, less presence in, in their lives and you'd rather uh, spend time uh, promoting either the NALCP or Dave and Buster's, you know, give us, give everyone a sense of where they can reach out to uh, and find either of those organizations if, uh, if you'd like. Absolutely. Uh, well, the NALCP is a National Association of Licensing and Compliance Professionals. And as I said, I'm on the board of directors and I'm also intricately involved in the website. So, uh, any, you know, we'd love for you to look it up at NALCP.net and there's a contact us link and I get all the emails along with a couple of my other board members and we would love to, to hear from you. That's great. That's really great. You know, we're uh, we're going to head into our break, and when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit more about the NALCP and uh, some of the things that uh, that are the highlights for you in that. And uh, and I think that based on our past experience and knowing each other through a mutual uh, a mutual contact in there, we can have some really good fun with that. You stick around listening here. We'll be back in two minutes, and we're hoping you'll be here too. up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. What if you could save 55% or more on your TV advertising? We're Higher Power Marketing, and we can probably save you at least 55% on your TV ad buys. Don't believe me? That's okay. 
Just go to hpowermarketing.com and see and hear real success stories from real clients. Then ask us to show you how we can save you money too. Go to hpowermarketing.com. That's hpowermarketing.com. Exceptional media for less. That's hpowermarketing.com. If you think half of your company's advertising is working, but you're not sure which half, we can help. We're Higher Power Marketing, and we help our clients identify which advertising works and which is wasting their money. And then we fix what's broken so they can get more bang from their advertising buck. If you're not sure which half of your advertising is working, call Higher Power Marketing for help at 800-300-9124. That's 800-300-9124. Become a member of voiceamerica.com. It's easy and best of all, it's free. Start out by going to our homepage or any of our channels and click register at the top. Once you've created an account and signed in, you can create your own custom library, opt into our newsletter, search by show, host, guest, or topic of interest, or browse millions of hours of content across all of our Voice America radio channels. Membership gets you more. Visit voiceamerica.com today to get started and tailor the listening experience to your taste. Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel. You're tuned in to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Reach out to us with questions and comments at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. Or connect with Peter via email. The address is businessrules at hpowermarketing.com. Now, back to the show. Welcome back to Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. We've been talking with Jill Valkovic and uh, just having a blast talking about Dave & Buster's, how Jill got to Dave & Buster's, um, and uh, and all about um, licensing and compliance and the the different companies that have people like her and uh, and just the scope of how it affects literally hundreds of millions of people walking into grocery stores that sell alcohol into Walgreens or CVS stores um, or movie theaters these days and how about when you go on an airplane and you order uh, you order a beer or a cocktail um, those are all companies that have to go through the process uh, very similar in some ways and yet yet different and than than some of the things that Jill has to go through uh, for Dave and Buster's but the thing that they have in common at least for many of them is this nonprofit association called the NALCP and um, Jill, once again, what does the NALCP stand for? National Association of Licensing and Compliance Professionals. So how did it start? I mean, I know it goes back to 2006, but I mean, what was the, you know, what was the genesis behind it? Well, I was fortunate enough to just come into um, Dave and Buster's about two months before NALCP's first conference, and there was a group of um people that have been doing licensing and compliance for companies for years and had learned of each other one way or another. And they decided over the course of about six months that they should, you know, get together and talk about common practice, talk about the things that we deal with um, each and every day and, uh, and meet in Austin, Texas. And so uh, my boss, uh, our Jay Tobin, our general counsel, heard about this 
conference and we went down there and it was at a Holiday Inn Express just outside of Austin and there were about 30 people there. Um, and of course, Peter, your wife was one of our founders and, yep. um, she was with PF Chang's at the time. And so they got together and talked about this world of licensing. And again, I was really new at Dave and Buster's and I was shocked and amazed at the things that I didn't know. And I will always <laughs> contend that, that NALCP's group at that very first meeting were the ones that trained me to do this job. That's, you know what though, that's, that's a great thing. And it, it, I think it, it speaks volumes about uh, the inspiration of the group and, um, and I think it becoming uh, larger than uh, perhaps its original intention, uh, certainly in terms of, of size and, uh, and, you know, and its membership. Um, I've been to, uh, I've been to several of the conferences, um, which are different than the retreats, which is inside stuff. Um, and I am, I am astonished at how many smart and hip and really uh, actually brilliant people attend here. And I know that that's, you know, that's literally the tip of the iceberg when it comes to uh, the overall membership, because not every company can send, you know, more than, you know, literally one or two people. And, um, and, you know, just the, the talent that I've seen um, and had the, had the pleasure of talking to lets me know that, you know, there's, there's some real inspiration behind uh, what the NALCP does. Um, so, I mean, one of the things that occurs to me about the NALCP is, and this goes back actually to uh, something that you said a little bit earlier about prohibition. And, you know, it was like 85 years ago, and you've got these laws that, um, that range from the sublime to the ridiculous um, because they're all, you know, individual state or localities or, or counties outgrowths from, uh, from the repeal of prohibition. And now you have this, uh, you know, this this association, the NALCP. I've got to believe that it's it's got to be some kind of a huge resource for you guys to be able to talk to each other, and wade through this uh, this jungle of legal. Uh, gosh, it's a jungle. I mean, legal a legal jungle. How about that? Absolutely. It is. Uh, you know, what's interesting about it is that, um, for example, a company like Dave & Buster's, I have outside counsel in every single state. So while you have this niche group of people inside companies, you also have attorneys on the outside helping support all of these companies. And so NALCP is a, is a conglomeration of folks that have liquor licenses, that sell alcohol directly to consumers, and then you have their outside counsel that support them. And and so the group is a lot of fun, and it's people that have done it for years and years. Uh, the folks that I met in 2006 in Austin are the same people I will see this year in October, um, along with some other new faces. But each and every year, it continues to grow. But each and every year, you get to see your same friends. That's that's very cool. It sounds to me like um, the NALCP has a presence or an impact on on life pretty much every day for you. Um, tell me about that. Tell us about that. You know, at any given time when there's a question or a concern that pops up, I will 
Um, we, uh, the, the members of the association are connected by email. I can send them out an email and say, you know, who do you, who do you use in Texas if I have a problem? Or is there a happy hour restriction in South Carolina? Tell me about that. And so it's sharing regulatory information among each other or sharing council information among each other. Um, so that, that's pretty much every day. And then every year in October, uh, we come together at a conference and meet and talk about, you know, hot topics, things that are coming up in our everyday lives and, and how it still reverts back to Prohibition days, which is always interesting and a treat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I've, I've, I've heard what I can, what I would best term uh Literally just, you know, the superficial stuff of the conversations on that stuff. And, and a lot of it goes over my head because it's just not something that I that I deal with on a day to day basis um, much, you know, like like you do. Um, you know, the thing that strikes me about your association and, and you're talking about it is that um, it's taken um, what could be considered um, a highly um, secretive competitive, um, proprietary information oriented type of, uh, of industry and opened it up at least to some degree where there's, uh, you know, it, you, you get an open platform of some level of communication for everyone's benefit. And, and, and I think that that's, you know, that's a huge deal um, that, that makes an association like this work. Do I, am I reading it right? That's right. I mean, these companies are all generally looked at as competitors, but from a regulatory standpoint, we're all playing by the same rules. And so trying to finagle what those rules are. I mean, at this point, there's very little new marketing tricks out there that people haven't come up with unless they're illegal. And so it's trying to understand, it's trying to understand how we all work in the same, within the same regulatory issues. And, you know, there, there are things like background checks of our officers that are required to get a license. And so finagling through that or just simply knowing someone with the state or the county or the city that helps you get your application through. And so these are the types of information. This is the type of information that we share amongst ourselves is how do we all how do we all fit under this regulatory, um, you know, environment that can sometimes be stifling? You know, the, you use the word stifling, and then you you touched on something in there where you're talking about background checks of officers. So I know that that's you know that's always a sticky subject, and I and I know that because of my uh, my wife's former employment and the things that uh, that she was confronted with by various people. I mean, it was not peculiar to you know to any one group or or set of people. Um, What's the what's the challenge in dealing with that, and what effect, if any, um, has um, has not changes in privacy, but concerns about privacy and and private, personally private information? What effect has that had on that disclosure process? You know, it's interesting that you asked that. I was um, recently at a legal symposium in D.C about a month ago and spoke on this very topic. Um, I am, I'm also, I'm a licensing and compliance professional within the company, but I'm also an officer. 
um, on our corporations, mainly for this reason. Uh, we have, for every license, particularly liquor license that we apply for, there's a certain amount of information that has to be disclosed. Uh, and some municipalities require a, a tremendous amount of information on spouses and children or siblings or parents, um, including financial information, whether you're dead or alive. <laughs> and so oh it boy. was it was trying to explain to state agencies, while we appreciate that you're requesting all of this information and we understand that you have a job to do with privacy being a concern, uh, with the type of information and how it's protected, you know, uh, retailers like myself are growing increasingly nervous about the protection of that information. And this is for, there's only one example that I'll give you is that in some of the agencies, the investigators don't have offices. And so they take their files home and there's no process within the state for those files to be returned to the state. And so the information that they're requesting fingerprints, date of birth, social security number of all these licensees are being kept in an unsecure place. And so we've, we've pushed back on those, those agencies Uh, to, to put policies in place. I mean, how, how, how responsive has have government agencies been to your overtures on that? I think they appreciate our concerns and I think they're, just now beginning to consider it, you know, in state government or federal government or city government, things don't move quickly. And so trying to convince them to only request the things that are necessary uh, to, to use third parties that have protected information, protected, um, you know, data sources, computer, you know, they work with the federal government, PCI compliance, all of that, you know, convincing those agencies to work with those third-party agencies that's protecting information is their job. Right. So uh, we're just now at the forefront of that, trying to push um, legislatures and regulators to reconsider uh, how they request information and how they store it. And that's what, that's what I hope that NALCP will be able to do someday is to help them understand that that information needs to be protected. You know, I think that that's uh, that's going to become a mission critical type of thing. And I take a look at it, you know, what what you're talking about to them and asking them about to consider and look at. Um, and I look at it from the advertising point of view and social media um, with Facebook as um, as a topical example of how far off the rails something can go when there is literally little or no regulation or oversight or even attention being paid to that kind of thing. And I think that that's one of the things where, you know, perhaps there's, uh, you know, there's a way for the NALCP uh, to use, uh, you know, the debacle within Facebook as an example of just how, how quickly and, uh, and how dramatically things can go wrong with, without anybody even realizing that there's something wrong until it's almost too late. Yeah, and that's a common topic that everyone within our organization can get behind, and that's why the organization is trying to focus on topics like that that can affect, I mean, because 
the Costco's and the Dave and Buster's of the world are very different operating systems, but we both have to go through the exact same process to get a liquor license. And so you would think that, I mean, even Whole Foods is now owned by Amazon. They have, they have very similar concerns, making sure that that information is protected. And is the information they're requested even necessary to determine whether or not we're going to be a good licensee? Yeah, no kidding. I mean, that's, gosh, it just, it's mind-boggling. It's mind-boggling. So we're going to go from the frownies to, um, I think, a very lighthearted end here because we literally have um, about a minute left to the show. That's how fast this thing has gone. I promised you that it was going to be fast, and and we are just like we're, we're at the tail end. So every year you have these conferences, um, and they are one of the, the funnest set of get-togethers that I have ever been to. Um, paint a very quick picture for anybody listening so that they can get an idea of just how much fun you guys have in the face of all of the hard work that you do. Well, for example, last year, I believe you attended this um, at our closing event, we had Prohibition Night. So everyone dressed up in their greatest and yep. latest Prohibition gear, and we didn't think they would do it. But it, it added a bit of fun to the conversation that we were having earlier in the day. And so we always try to tie in you know, CLE and classroom information that we have at the conference and tie it into a fun event at night. And, you know, in the end, it's people that deal with liquor all day talking about liquor and drinking liquor. And so it's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun and it's, it's, it's a great time. And it's, um, it's gone from 30 people to about 320 per year. So we are wow. very proud of what we've grown and it's been a, a lot of fun. And you know what? Fun being the operative word. I've had so much fun having you as my guest today. You are just a wonderful lady to have on my show. Such a great resource and a beautiful person. Jill, I love you. And I'm so thankful for giving me an hour of your time. I know you've got so many things going on around you. And I really appreciate your presence here on Business Rules with Peter Feinstein. Thanks, Peter. You bet. Have yourself a great day. And for you listening, have a great day yourself. We'll see you next week and we'll talk again. Have a beautiful day. Bye. Thank you for tuning into Business Rules. Be sure to join Peter Feinstein for another enlightening program next Wednesday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time and 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Have a winning week.